0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Behind the Sermon, a time when pastors sit down and talk about all things preaching and practical ministry. It is good to be back with you all today. My name is Pastor Todd, and I am joined by fellow pastor, Jen Ryerson. Hey, Jen. Oh, hey, Todd. Happy Thanksgiving.
1: You too. Happy Advent.
0: Ha- happy Advent. Happy, happy
1: Thanksgiving.
0: Yes. Happy... Yeah. Ha- Hello Vent.
1: Yeah. Or Advent giving.
0: Yeah, there you go. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. I'm also joined by a special guest today, Pastor Danny Redding. Hey Danny. Hey Todd, how are you? I am well, it's good to see you. And I am joined by Pastor Andrew C. Thompson, Esquire. Are you Are you Esquire? (laughs) Ho ho, how's it going? going, Todd. Todd? Uh, it's going fall, fantastic. <laughs> and we have Patrick Hall here as well, and uh, he has graciously given up his microphone so we can talk with Pastor Danny about some upcoming events in the life of the church. Uh, so come along with us as we all go behind the sermon. Well, this is a little off-topic, friends. I apologize, but guess what I did at 8 o'clock this morning?
1: You we went to the gym.
0: No. Had that would have been a great had thing coffee. For me to do.
1: Did you drink coffee?
0: No. That would have also been a very great thing for me to do. Uh Emily and I took our two boys to the dentist for the first time. Mm. Mm. Ooh. Their first time at the dentist, not our not, first time to take them. And Not yeah. the dentist's first time. It, well, I don't know.
1: With those two probably.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was uh well first of all I realized how um How much more fun my dentist appointments could be if I was at a pediatric dentist? Mm -hmm. And I felt a little.
1: Did they get to wear sunglasses?
0: Dude, they got to wear sunglasses,
1: and they got to watch Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. They got to watch
0: Rio. Rio was on. Wow. Okay. They got to put headphones on so they could hear the movie. They got to use chocolate toothpaste. I don't know.
1: Mm, That might. I'm not sure. Dentistry
0: has changed since our childhood. Yes, (laughs) Yes. it was just bubble th- gum or grape it was thumbles or of sugar being scrubbed into <laughs> my kids teeth yeah uh, and then after they finished they each got a token that they got to put in like a little gumball machine that didn't give gumballs but gave little other choke, choke hazard toys toys mm-hmm. which was fun yeah anyway i was bit-
1: at a dentist's office in pennsylvania that had mints at the checkout hmm Sugar to keep you coming, ba-
2: keep you coming back. Yeah, you think that's right? Job security, right? There. Job security.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so right. <laughs> that's right. Why yeah. didn't I think of that?
0: Yeah, that's good. Anyway,
1: that's super fun, Todd. Well, you survived. Yeah, because you're here. we were in and
0: out with both of them in 30 minutes, which was nice. I mean, they're both pretty young. Yeah. Two and four, so there's not a whole lot you do with their teeth.
1: That's a big deal, though. Do y'all take pictures? <sighs> no.
0: I always did. All, I did. All my no. kids'
1: first dentist appointments, I have pictures. Is of it, it bad
0: that I kind of have the approach that they're baby teeth and they're going to fall out anyway, so why are we brushing them? Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, Is like, that bad? it's like nature's no, mulligan. Bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, mean, that's it, bad. It's kind of like why make your bed? You're going to get back in it in, you know, six, eight, ten hours. So, um, yeah. Yeah,
1: you, yeah, you need to have them brush their teeth and use mouthwash and go to the dentist. and.
0: Uh, you sound just like my dentist. Yeah, maybe that's
1: what I should have done. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Instead of this.
1: <laughs> I used to yeah. not like the dentist, but now it's my favorite place.
0: Oh, I just I like it because you get to recline and close your eyes. Yeah,
1: because yeah, we don't get to do that very
0: often. Not very often, No. Nope. True. Um... Uh, so uh, we are here with Pastor Danny. Pastor Danny, I'm glad you're here. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be we here. We don't get to talk to you a whole whole bunch uh, during the podcast, but I'm always excited when you're here. We're going to talk a little bit about what we have. That's not a joke, Jen. I oh.
1: was just going to tell him that I'm only, only laughing because sincere. I I would like for him to be here more and sit in that.
0: You that chair are, yeah, that this he's is, sitting yes. in this is quite the chair. Although I think it, we so. should
1: rotate and take turns Sitting in that chair He's, he's sitting in this fancy brown mm-hmm. I
0: don't know that I can look as good high as Danny Leather chair, wing back Patrick, yeah. we'll need to take a picture of that So everybody can see how yes. regal That's going to be Danny the Facebook post picture <laughs> Stop with the googly eyes, Danny. <laughs> Get your
1: cigar out, <laughs> cross <laughs> your leg <laughs> yes. again Get your little glass You need
0: a smoking jacket, that's what you need right now Yes and a, and a little glass of cognac. That's what you need.
1: You know how many likes that picture got on Facebook, on the church Facebook page. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so um, anyway, but you're here to talk with us a little bit about everything that we got going on in Advent and some very special things coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. So we had our Hanging of the Green service uh, this past Sunday evening. Um, let's talk a little bit about that uh, and how that went with very good service. Children were yeah. even, I mean, children are always involved in it, but they... You had the children's choir doing some stuff uh, that night, didn't you, Danny? We did, yeah. We
2: started working a few weeks ago with uh, 15 or so children, and they did a really good job. So these are kids who maybe they sing in, uh, in choirs at their school, but we had not formed a choir with this group of children here. So it was right. a first experience for them. But I was really pleased with how they did. So they enjoyed the music. And, in fact, boy, they, they memorized so fast.
0: Yeah, they did, yeah. Working
2: with kids, they will uh, they, they work hard. Uh, or sometimes it doesn't seem like that they're working hard but but they are so even yeah. if they may not be focusing the way you might think you want them to focus mm-hmm. there's a lot going on and they're really
0: engaging so they they learn the music really well yeah soaking it up yeah and those are all very <clears throat> different songs too i mean you talk about memorized, like they were v- different time signatures different you know obviously different Words and melodies, but yeah, it was.
2: Yeah, they were, and, and we had uh, we had a nice accompaniment by piano, uh, handbells and flute.
0: Yeah, I saw that. So
2: there was a lot going on, and for children, you know, they, they tend to, if that's, that's not the, the performance environment that they're used to. So there's a lot for them to pay attention to. So right. I, I really was proud of them for being able to focus with all the stuff going on around them. Yeah. And they did a really good job. Not though. to
0: mention the 200 people out there staring at them. That's true. Right? So, yeah. <laughs> with, phone, with phones up taking pictures and all yeah, that stuff. It's easy yeah. to forget how, how
2: disconcerting that can be. Right. Oh, I hate it. So, <laughs> you know, my daughter
3: Alice is is in your children's yes. choir. And I I just I think about that. And I think that you are... I mean that's catechesis. I mean you're teaching mm-hmm. songs of the faith, and 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 my daughter is learning more about God and growing her relationship with Jesus through that process, and mm-hmm. learning learning how to actively lead in worship yeah. by offering praises to Jesus in song uh, in front of a large crowd of people. And right. I'm just really grateful for
2: that. Yeah. yeah, and those songs will stick with him. So. Mm-hmm. I've heard from parents that uh, they hear the songs, hear them singing the songs in the car, at the house. So, In fact, all three of you had daughters yeah, right. in, in that yeah. choir, so maybe you know the songs as well. So. That's right. Well, well Leah's
1: yeah. been singing them.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, Jen, I told you after the service, one of my first memories of Leah, uh, your daughter, uh, was I think the first summer you were here mm-hmm. and, and at VBS. We had our VBS Sunday, so after the week of Vacation Bible School, all the kids were singing their songs in, in Sunday worship, and uh, your daughter and my daughter were standing next to each other, and Leah just had this look on her face like terror terror. and like she didn't sing she didn't sing hardly at all I don't even think she opened her mouth and like Nora my daughter was standing beside her like elbowing her like come on why aren't you come on you're supposed to be singing (laughs) and then to like think about that and then to see her Sunday night just belting it out with like decked out and Christmas stuff it was just it was an awesome thing to see yeah that's great one of the things I really appreciated Danny and we've talked about this several times before in in worship planning and other places is just the vital role of children mm-hmm. in leading worship, and I know you have um, one of the things I really appreciate about your approach to that is you really do have them leading worship. I mean, right. this isn't this isn't just like a time we block off for parents to take pictures. I mean, like no, this is like an actual part of the worship worship service that's moving us in a certain direction. It's it's a vital piece for what we're doing.
2: Right, <clears throat> and I feel really strongly about that. It's it's really easy because you know, having children up front in worship is not something that, that we or most churches do all the time, mm-hmm. although I think that would be something to move toward. But rather than it being just a time where we look at the children, how cute and adorable they are, which of course they are, but for them to actually, like you said, to be leading in worship, to be facilitating worship. And when they're, when they're singing a song, I see songs as, you know, as really as... Uh, An expression of prayer and praise. Mm -hmm. So all the things that can be said in a worship service can be done through music. So a song can help us respond to something that just happened or can lead us into something that's getting ready to happen. Or it can be a a testimony or the word of God spoken and sung. Mm -hmm. So to give children the opportunity to do that in worship, they may not be ready to to speak, but they can certainly sing. And that's a way of advancing, of telling the story of uh, being involved in the narrative of worship in a way that's really meaningful and it's not a token response or a token uh, involvement by them.
0: Yeah. Uh, So they not only um, did some singing, the the children's choir, but we had, what, 30-something kids, maybe a little bit more, that were bringing down Mm -hmm. all sorts of trinkets and items and had varying degrees of symbolism that we hung on the wall and put in different places in the sanctuary just to kind of to literally deck the halls right mm-hmm. uh, for the coming of the king so that's a wonderful service um, and we are, I actually spent a little time yesterday even talking about next year so we're excited about uh, doing that again but that is kind of the the official kickoff of our advent series I don't know how we want to Andrew do you want to talk a little bit about where we are in the advent series before we maybe get into uh, lessons and carols next week sure you don't have to. I'm not <laughs> twisting. Well, I'm, I'm, about I'm it. trying
3: to think. How do I start talking about this and and not like take up the next ten minutes? But the <laughs> you um, have
1: five minutes. Yes. Five minutes. How, let Timer's let set on. The timer.
3: Let's do ninety yeah. seconds. Okay. So, mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, the title of the series is "The Miraculous Gift," and I'm. As we always do during Advent, I'm just trying to find a fresh way to talk about a familiar story. Right, um, and so the story is the story of of God sending His Son Jesus into the world, um, born through the Virgin Mary and trusted in the care of Joseph and Mary, and and um, you know the the ironic, wonderful, scandalous truth that the Savior of the world and the Lord of all creation was born to a peasant family in Judea. Yeah. in the first century. and um, We forget
0: that, I think, mm-hmm. because we build the story up so much in our heads. We forget yeah. how radical just, and scandalous it actually it was. It's just
3: such a simple and a, and a humble tale that has such profound depth to it. But what I'm doing this year is I'm trying to connect uh, figures in that story with some of their Old Testament um, mm-hmm. uh, analogs. Right. Um, and so I did that with John the Baptist and Elijah in week one. Mm-hmm. I'm doing that with Mary and Sarah uh, this coming Sunday, and then we'll move on to Joseph and King David, um, and then we'll eventually move on on Christmas Eve to Jesus and looking at just some of the Old Testament anticipations and prophecies about Jesus from God in the Old Testament. So just drawing that kind of yoke back to remind people that Jesus didn't pop into the world, you know, unannounced. Yeah, they, yeah, and yeah. it wasn't just the announcement of the angels, you, you know, on the night of his birth, but that Jesus had been being announced for centuries and centuries before that. And so that the, the what happened that night in Bethlehem was the culmination of a great story that had been building for centuries.
0: I think that's a, a really powerful thing for people to... See us demonstrate in sermons and in Bible studies. I recognize that. I did a, a Bible study on Paul this semester on our Wednesday night study, and one of the one of the evenings was about how Paul used scripture because you see Paul quoting scripture constantly and and for Paul scripture was the Old Testament prophets and um the law and those sorts of things. but the way that he's talking about scripture is always connected with jesus Mm -hmm. and um is it richard hayes uh dr richard hayes that talks about reading scripture forwards and backwards Mm -hmm. probably Uh, he mentions that i don't Mm -hmm. know if he came up with that or not but that's that's something that we talked about and something i think is um it's really uh enlightening for people i don't think people realize that it's like oh the old testament is there just to kind of give us the backstory of what's happening in the new testament it's Mm -hmm. like well yeah a little bit but it's actually deeper than that there's actually like you said there's like these prefigured analogs throughout um the old testament that are that are prophesying in a very tangible embodied way the coming of the messiah Mm -hmm.
3: i actually was asked to write a chapter in a book one time on it was actually a, a book on youth ministry and it was um trying to help youth ministers think about how to teach the bible and to think theologically about youth ministry and they asked me to write the chapter. I'm not a biblical scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but they asked me to write a chapter about the prefigurations and types of Christ in the Old Testament. Hmm. And the title that I came up with was Echoes of Jesus. Yeah, They're like backwards echoes of Jesus into right. the Old Testament. And um, it was um, a really neat thing to do, and, and it just... It's kind of like when you're reading Paul. I mean, when you start to read through a Christological lens
0: in the Old Testament, you just see it's really all pointing to Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. Um, Well, we'll talk more about that, like you said, uh, this coming week with Mary and Sarah. (laughs) Uh, and then the week after that, though, we have mm-hmm. a very special Sunday called uh, Lessons and Carols, which is something we've done before, but it's something that uh, is kind of like hanging at the greens. It's a very integral part of what we do during the Advent season. Uh, so, Pastor Dane, why don't you talk a little bit about what we do on that Sunday morning and, and why we why we do it at all? Well, the, the I guess the
2: format of the service then is... Uh, rhythm of sharing scripture, telling the story from the beginning up until the birth, and alternating the presentation of scripture with, with music. Hmm. Like you say, we've done that for the past few years since uh, uh, probably predates my coming to this church. But each year I try to do something with a little bit of a fresh, uh, fresh presentation on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year we are uh, taking a more of a collaborative approach with the music and the musicians from all three services. So Patrick Hall, who leads the 830 service, Michael Cooper, who leads 945, and uh, Ernest Whitmore and I, who lead 11 o'clock, have uh, crafted a service with music that I think uh, brings out the best and recognizes the best of uh, the music styles from each of the three services that we do on Sunday morning. So I think people, will when they come, I think they're going to see... Uh, they're going to hear the story, of course, but I think they're going to hear that you know, in, from uh, musicians who they know from the services that they attend, and uh, music and styles that uh, that that they are familiar with. But uh, present this story, I think, in a really fresh way. Uh, we'll be joined by some musicians from uh, the University of Arkansas, their orchestra, some local symphony orchestras. It's always a great thing to do to mm-hmm. kind of clear clear the uh, clear the chancel and make room for lots of other musicians. Uh, so there will be the choir, uh, strings, woodwinds, percussion. Uh, oboe? Music- there will be oboe. Yes, there will. <gasps> so, <Ooh. laughs> so we love, Andy, Andrew we love all- a good oboe. <laughs> yes, we absolutely do. So Andrew's giving a thumbs up to that. <laughs> so, But then uh, the bands from uh, First Praise and Cornerstone Bands, uh, those musicians. So some of the things we'll be doing, uh, in fact, they're going to do a really terrific version of, uh, oh, what is the song Patrick, that you guys are going to do at the very end of the service. You're going to do I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, mm. uh, the Casting Crowns uh, arrangement of that. That'll be sort of the capstone of the service. And that's really the bands will we'll, we'll lead, we'll lead that song with uh, backup from our choir. Uh, but then some of the songs, uh, we got a couple of arrangements by a group called Broadway Inspirational Voices which do uh, just big gospel music style uh, arrangements of some classic British carols, Wexford Carol and Sussex Carol. So you'll hear those really old carols uh, presented in a, in a very up-tempo, uh, beautiful way. Then there'll be some, uh, some things that, just the, that are done by just the choir and some things that are done by just the, just the bands can
0: i can i speak my truth for a second please and Uh this might this might give the musicians in the room some indigestion (laughs) um but every time we do something like this and the musicians from all of our services get together and do like you said kind of like this unified presentation of music Mm -hmm. i always find myself thinking i wish every service could be like that we (laughs)
1: should have it like this every sunday we should have it like
0: (laughs) every service all the musicians from all the services are just doing one service each three times, three times on Sunday. You know, I don't know. I just, yeah, I always yeah. think that cause it's, it's just, it's such a blend of, um, and I think some ways it's a, it's a witness to and a testimony of the, the unity that we find, uh, in the Christmas story and in the gospel story and just kind of the unifying nature of that. There's an all encompassing, like, like, I feel like one style of music isn't enough to contain the truth of this story, so we have to bring yeah. in all styles, Oh, I right? would fully agree. When yeah. you think
2: of, think of the infinite creativity of God yeah. with the things that we see on this earth and beyond, and then you bring that into the realm of, of, of artistic creativity, whether it is visual arts, or in this case, it is the oral arts of music. We, you know, how, you, think of, you think of 13 tones in a chromatic
0: scale, well, of course, that's what I okay. think of. You think yeah.
2: of that? I, I know you were thinking of that just this morning. So Andrew's face just just lit up. How many songs do you think have been written with those thirteen scales of a chromatic scale in the Western music tradition? Uh, at least four.
3: A billion. Oh. A
2: billion. And how many have yet to be written? So I don't know whether it's a an in, I don't oh. know whether it's an infinite number or not. But it's close. It it's close to infinity. So sure. with, the, with the rearrangement of those thirteen scales and thirteen tones in a chromatic scale. Then we have not, in with our with our own human limitations, have yet to exhaust the possibilities there. So when you think of, of the creativity of God and the creativity that He has placed in us, so I, I agree with you, Todd. I think what we see on lessons and carols, or when we do a collaboration with uh, the different musicians and musical styles in our church, to me that's that's just a just sort of just just a. a A very small view of the creative creative potential that god has placed within us
3: so are there 13 tones because of sharps and flats there are okay
2: is that right so there's seven notes in a scale though right uh seven notes uh, in a diatonic scale oh what's the difference between a diatonic and a chromatic a chromatic scale has all the half tones in between
0: diatonic you add a, a twist of lime (laughs) yeah. <laughs> so, a chromatic
3: yeah. scale is that would be the white keys and the black keys. Yes. Okay. On a piano. So, yes. what I
0: hear you saying, Danny, is that with an infinite number of monkeys and an infinite number of pianos <laughs> then and an infinite number of time, you would eventually get the Wexford you Carol. Would is that what get, you're you you yeah. would eventually get Box St. Matthew Passion. So.
2: <laughs> okay. It would, take, that's, a, that's it would take a while, though.
0: It's <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think um, I really appreciate that about our church uh, here and I, about. As our church, but also just our leadership—that that you guys as musicians as wor- and worship leaders—you don't get territorial about that stuff, and there's not um there's not any sort of judgment over one style being better than the other. But there really is across all of our worship services and across our our worship leaders this understanding that the style that you inhabit is is simply a, a, a part yeah. of the greater you know right. worship that we give to god yeah, i just really appreciate as long as, yeah, as, that. Long as
2: the patrick and michael do the music that i choose then yeah
0: happy. as long as they keep to themselves <laughs> yeah and don't you know
2: yeah. no i think in, in many in many churches there is there is that that competition that conflict yeah. between musical styles and it's not just in churches i mean you know we all have things that we like you know i mean i i like a certain type of music and that's obviously the best music right yeah because, sure, of course. because it's the music that i like so right. you know that that's sort of a human tendency but I really, I, I think it's really good for us here. We are blessed by not an either or, mm-hmm. but we're we're blessed with both and, so we can embrace you know a, a, as wide a variety of musical styles as our musicians are capable of producing. Yeah, and and it's valued and it's honored, and that's
0: a that's a great thing. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and I would I would say on any given Sunday, in any one of our three services, I'm moved in some way mm-hmm. by the music, right. um, especially I mean. Was it two Sundays ago? You did. Is he worthy? Mm-hmm. It was two Sundays ago, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, that was just powerful. I was weeping. Yeah.
2: It was powerful. Yeah, it really was. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I told the choir that it was a good thing I wasn't trying to sing. I, I was able to direct with my back toward the congregation because mm-hmm. it was so oh, yeah. emotional. So. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I,
0: I was. I was thinking of the soloist you had for that day, and I was like, I don't know how you. I don't know how you yeah. sing that song. I don't know how you get through it. You know. Be right. But just
1: I, seeing the way that the choir worships through yeah and mm-hmm. i mean it's all of them, all of our services the way that the musicians are worshiping through the music themselves yeah. is is powerful it's not you can tell it's not a, our our musicians don't perform right they are they're in it yeah. worshiping in and through it it's it's remarkable
2: you think about you know when you hear a song once it can be very moving but if you have had the you know the responsibility or the opportunity to to learn that song, then you spent you know one or two months on that song, sure, and you have lived with it for a while, and it really becomes not just words that were written on a page by someone else, but it becomes your it becomes your words, right. they, they become your words, and it becomes your testimony and your song.
1: Danny, and, I've been told by some of your choir members that you you invite them to do that, that you invite them to sit with the song, mm-hmm. sit with the anthem. A week, weeks in advance, yeah. and that you encourage them to sit with those lyrics and reflect right. on them and pray through them, and I mean, it, they they find a lot. I mean, it's powerful for them to do yeah. that.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, think of what we do if we do the same thing with scripture. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. yeah,
0: well, you know, that's interesting. You mentioned that it's got me think. You know, we talk a lot about um, on the podcast and in other places this these familiar stories that we have to try to make new every Mm -hmm. year you know every every liturgical season that comes about and i imagine there's a similar sort of task or challenge with music that there are these carols that you know everybody uh loves to sing Mm -hmm. and yet as a musician to just roll out and do the exact same thing you did the year before or the week before i'm sure can can kind of i don't know hinder your your creativity yeah. or you know like how do you, how do you right. approach that as a as a musician
2: well you know to something i was saying earlier about you know the the seemingly infinite creativity of composers to to write new music uh we haven't reached the end of that yet not even close mm-hmm. so every year i think they're you know we're doing some some music that that uh we, we know and we love that's been part of our tradition for our lives and, and long be, before any of us were ever born. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there are composers who are still writing new music in a fresh way, uh, whether it's for choirs or for bands or, or any kind of ensemble, or maybe banjo ensembles. I, I, exactly. I the there you go. So that, uh, that Not enough of those in the church. That's, that's, <laughs> a, that's a Andrew's wheelhouse, wheelhouse right? <laughs> so, so I, I think, uh, in fact, one of the things I, ask, uh, I ask, ask the choir to do occasionally is to pray for composers. You know, we think mm-hmm. of we think of the people who we see leading us in worship every Sunday. We seldom see the composers. You know, we hear we hear the performers. Uh we hear people who are speaking, who are singing, playing instruments, but the the people who actually write the music, mm-hmm. we don't often see them. So I try to share information about the composers of the songs that we write or that we sing and invite people to to pray that God will continue to inspire composers to to present and prepare great music for the
0: church. That's so important because, you know, that in a lot of ways the church is built on its hymnody Mm-hmm. And it's built on the songs that it's singing. you know, I've, I've joked around before I've heard it said that, you know, people go home singing the songs, they don't go home quoting the sermons, yeah. right? What? I know. It sends a, a little <laughs> shot to my ego a little bit. But We're, we're
2: working on an oratorio of Andrew Thompson's sermons. <laughs> yes, notes, yes. <laughs> that, well, that, that's coming soon. You guys do
0: the Encore concert where you go, you know, you, we have a night where you guys play all the best hits. And mm-hmm. I think we should have an Encore sermon Absolutely. night where we preach yes. our best sermons of the year. If and, there's
3: one thing the church is missing, it's that. <laughs> it
2: is that. So <laughs> next year. Next year.
3: <laughs>
0: But it sure. is true. Like how much, how much theology and how much truth about the gospel story or about God um, do people actually get from the songs? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure it's at least equivalent to what they get from sermons because they're hearing songs during yeah. worship as much as they're hearing sermons. Right? I'm probably
2: stepping into territory into water too deep for me right here. But but think of think of some in some church traditions, uh, the mass is sung, the services right. are sung. Yeah. So I wonder if that has some way of of, of sort of a, a catechetical yeah uh, element to it of uh, being able to to be a teaching a teaching element. Mm-hmm. In, well, at in the worship. very
0: least, we know that it it lights up different parts of the brain Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know when you sing something compared to when you just say it it so maybe it is like a maybe it's easier to remember or maybe it's you're able to inflect different meaning through it you know When
2: you hear you hear about you know left side right side brain Mm -hmm. when you're doing music everything fires supposedly Mm -hmm. so i could get into that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole
1: well you know you talk about lyrics of songs I don't know, a week or so ago I was listening to a Christmas song, Noel, and it's the one done by I mentioned this in worship planning yesterday by Chris Tomlin and Lauren Daigle. Mm-hmm. And there's there's this part in there and I was I was hearing it and then I thought it hit me and I had to listen to the song all over again. Uh-huh. But the chorus says, Noel, Noel, come and see what God has done. And then it, it you know, goes on and that verse right there mm. stopped me in yeah, my tracks. Yeah. And I thought I've got to he- I've got to hear that again. And then I Googled the lyrics. Uh-huh. Come and see what God has done. Yeah. Mm. Oh my goodness. Mm. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. So profound. That's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that, that's, a, that's wow. a, a
2: simple but powerful, profound witness, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, what what, what better witness could we?
1: Right. Like we just we want to tell everybody, come. come on, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come and see what God has done yeah. and what He's doing.
0: Yeah, and you know sometimes we'll say like, come and see what God will do. Yeah, and it's like well, but God's already Look done. What He's already done, he's already it's done. amazing. If God did nothing else in the world, what He's already done is enough. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. in that, uh-huh. and that's a very profound statement, especially mm. for the time of time of season we're in. So, mm-hmm. Andrew, thoughts? I'm just I'm, I I I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, friends, I think we're nearing the end of our time. Pastor Andrew, thank you for your contributions. You're welcome, Pastor Danny. Thank you for your contributions. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me to the table. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you're
1: kind of at the table. You're kind of like in this. You're welcome. We we put Patrick, there we go. We put our guests in this chair. A fancy chair. It's it's a fancy guest chair. I'm actually
2: sitting about two feet lower than you're kind of of not.
0: (laughs) That's intentional. Yeah.
1: Not exactly at the table.
2: You three are are looming
0: over me here. Pastor Jen, thank you so much for your contributions today.
1: It's been great. Thank you for having me at the table.
0: You're you're welcome. <laughs>
1: At the table.
2: <clears throat> for having me near the table.
0: <laughs> Todd. Yes. Todd. Oh, yes. Thank you for your contribution Oh wow. Today. Thank you. Oh, that's you didn't have to say that. Thank you. That's wonderful. <laughs> and thank you, dear listener, for uh listening today. Uh we apologize for being out uh for a little bit, but you know, Thanksgiving and stuff, that happens. So we had to eat uh, our turkey. We had to eat our turkey, our potatoes we had to and gravy. take our naps. You know how it goes. Uh but we are back and thank you so much for listening. Be sure to like, share, and comment on whatever social media platform you enjoy. And for all of us here at First Church, we will catch you next time on Behind the Sermon.